Well, good morning, church. Hey, I want to start off by celebrating a couple things today. Uh, first off, uh, we asked you over the last couple of weeks to join with us and affirm the sale of the property we have along Mount Washington. Last week, through a near unanimous affirmation, you did. And so that money will now be turned into ministry here and around the globe. We will let you know in the coming days what will happen with that. But thanks so much, church. Want to let you know something else really cool. Uh, but before we get to the cool part, there's a, a not so cool part. You know, a few weeks back, Turkey was just decimated by an earthquake. What you may not know is that there have been several subsequent earthquakes continuing, even still to yesterday. They keep having more and more earthquakes in that part of the world. And so we have partnered with Team Expansion to help bring relief and hope to that part of the world. So a couple weeks ago, we asked you to go above and beyond in your giving, and through that above and beyond and your ongoing generosity, we have given a check of $7,500 to Team Expansion to bring ministry and hope to that part of the world. Yeah, that's great news. Way to go, church. Now, one of the really beautiful things with that is that the ministry being done there is ministry mostly to Muslims whose own government is not doing anything for them. And so these people are saying, wait, wait, wait. Our own Islamic government is not reaching out to take care of us, yet Christians from around the world are showing hope, offering healing, and bringing compassion to us. And it is opening doors for the gospel, and that is what we celebrate, church. So, yeah, praise God, praise God. All right. Well, how many of you, when you get a call on your phone and you don't recognize the caller, how many of you answer that call? Let me see the hands of the brave, courageous ones. Yeah, I am not one of you, okay? I do not. But I do find it amazing how far technology has come since I was a kid. When I was a kid, we would wait for the answering machine at a landline because we didn't have phones with us. Some of you younger ones, you just have to like research and find out what that's all about. But the phone was stuck to the house. We had to wait for the answering machine. And then when somebody would start to leave their message, we would know, oh, we actually do want to talk to that person. How many of you remember those days you would pick up, you'd wait for, all right, there we go. So now my phone tells me who's calling. Sometimes it'll give me a picture of the person, a special ringtone for the person. It's awesome. It even tells me when my good friend Scam is calling me. It's, it's so helpful. Don't you wish it were that easy to recognize God's call on our lives? To know like, oh, God's calling and I, I really need to pick this one up and hear as clear as day, this is from God. Don't you wish it were that easy? Well, today we are in chapter nine, beginning chapter nine in our book, Quest 52, that we're using this year as we pursue Jesus together. If you are new to us and you don't yet have a copy of this, you can pick up a copy um, out in the lobby after the service, you can get some discounted copies for your friends as well. If you're joining us online, just chat into the host space, or just tell your host in the chat space is what I was trying to say, that you need a copy of the book. We'll figure out a way to get it to you. Um, and if you have, uh, if you're just jumping in with this, or maybe you've been with us, but like you stopped reading along in week five or six, don't feel like you got to make it up. Just jump right in this week, beginning chapter nine, pick up right where we are, and you'll be great. And the question we are addressing this week that we're going to answer this week is this. How do I recognize God's call on my life? 
How do I recognize God's call on my life? And we're going to dig into Luke's gospel to help us find the answer to that. Now, Luke was an early church historian, and his gospel is simply his good news account of Jesus' life and ministry. So we're going to jump in to Luke chapter 5 to find some answers on how we can recognize God's call in our life. Well, one day as Jesus was preaching on the shore of the Sea of Galilee, great crowds pressed in on him to listen to the word of God. And here we get this picture that Jesus has somewhat of a celebrity status. Now, he was not pursuing celebrity status, but he was well known and people were pressing in. They wanted to hear what he had to say, but they also wanted to get close to him. So they were pressing in on him from all sides. And so... He noticed two empty boats at the water's edge, for the fishermen had left them and were washing their nets. Next verse. Stepping in on one of the boats, Jesus asked Simon, its owner. Now, we know Simon better as Peter. Peter, the outspoken, kind of uh, compulsive, assumptuous one of of the disciples. So Jesus asked Simon Peter to push out into the water. So Jesus sat in the boat and taught the crowds from there. Now, This is a genius move of Jesus because he's getting some breathing room from the crowds that were pressing in on him. But he also knew that that water would magnify his voice. It would amplify his voice. Jesus was able to teach to more people when he got a little space from them and could amplify his voice. He didn't have the privilege of a microphone, so that was his method of doing it to amp up his voice. Well, and then we see what happens next. When he had finished speaking. Now, we're going to pause right here because Luke just blows right by this. Luke does not tell us what Jesus spoke. I don't know about you, but that bothers me. Because I really want to know what Jesus said to the crowd. What did Jesus speak to them that day on the water's edge? Don't know. It's just mystery. But I really wish, I really wish Luke would have included that, but he did not. And in doing so, Luke tells us that what he's about to tell us is even more important for us to learn than whatever Jesus was speaking at that time. So he goes on. When Jesus had finished speaking, he said to Simon Peter, now go out where the water is deeper and let down your nets to catch some fish. Master, Simon replied, we worked hard all last night, all night long, and we did not catch a thing. Now, let's pause right there to understand the weight of what's happening. Because this is a really stinky situation for Simon Peter and his buddies. Like literally, these guys are fishermen and they got lake smell on them and it's just kind of a stench. These guys had worked hard all night long, worked through the night, tossing out the nets, bringing them back in, tossing them out, bringing them back in. Those nets get heavy. And the only thing he got from his fishing expedition were calloused hands and algae. He's my kind of fisherman. (laughs) I love to eat fish, I'm not great at getting the fish. So. Here he is, a fishless fisherman, cleaning his nets on the shore. Jesus says, I need in your boat. Let's go. Now push on into the deep. I mean, this guy is feeling dejected. He's probably a little bit depressed. He's feeling frustrated at his failure. He's exhausted. He's embarrassed. Other people are around. The fisherman is cleaning his fish or cleaning his nets, but not cleaning them from the fish because there are no fish to be found. You ever had one of those moments, like Peter? I mean, you can imagine what's going on in Peter's mind, right? Like, is this the way my life is going to go? Is this the way this is going to turn out? Here I am, a failure. I don't measure up. People are looking. I'm embarrassed. 
I'm a fisherman with no fish. That just doesn't make sense. Feels like a failure. Like what's gonna come next? What's my wife gonna think of me? What do the other people think of me? How am I gonna provide for my wife? How am I gonna provide for the family? What does my future look like? Have you ever had one of those moments? Feeling like a failure? Wondering if you measure up? Uncertain about what's next? I have more than once. And so here in this moment, the traveling rabbi carpenter tells the fisherman, push on into the deep, let's fish some more. And instead of telling Jesus, yo, carpenter boy, just stay in your lane, I'm the fisherman, I got it, the fish ain't biting, the fish ain't being caught, listen to Peter's response. Next verse. But if you say so, I will let down the nets again. If you say so. The literal Greek is at your word. Any fans of the Princess Bride in here? You remember what Wesley always tells Princess Buttercup? Say it with me. As you wish, right? This is that as you wish moment. It's just, we haven't caught anything, but as you wish, if you say so, at your word, if you say it, I'll do it. And he pushes out, and they let the nets down. And this time, their nets were so full of fish, they began to tear. That's a lot of fish to tear those nets apart. So they go on. A shout for help brought their partners in the other boat. And soon, both boats were filled with fish and on the verge of sinking. That's a lot of fish. Blessing overflowing. They're sinking. They're going to drown in the blessing. I love what's going on there. I love what happens. And I think it's interesting that all this happens at the Sea of Galilee. Because God doesn't waste any part of Scripture. He doesn't waste a word. And so we find here a metaphor for us. Because the Sea of Galilee happens to be the lowest freshwater lake in the world. Here Peter is at a low point. he's, He's the guy Garth Brooks was singing about when Little Garth was talking about his friends in low places. Pete was at the low place, a fishless fisherman. And here he is at the lowest freshwater lake in the world. This is a very low point. And God, through this metaphor, is speaking to us. Because you see, it's often at our lowest points that Jesus will do his greatest work. It's often when we're in that Sea of Galilee moment when the nets are empty and we are uncertain of what's coming next and we're embarrassed because we don't measure up because we feel like a failure, it's then that God will show up and do something incredible to give us a catch of fish overflowing. Listen to how Peter and the others respond. When Simon Peter realized what had happened, he fell to his knees before Jesus and said, Oh Lord, please leave me, depart from me, for I am such a sinful man. I I don't even deserve to be in your presence. For he was awestruck by the number of fish they had caught, as were the others with him. His partners, James and John, the sons of Zebedee, were also amazed. Don't you love the response? They just are amazed. They fall to their knees in amazement in the presence of Jesus. That's a really good lesson for us. Friends, we should stay amazed in the presence of Jesus. Peter's response, Jesus, you gotta get away from me because I don't deserve to be near you. I'm unworthy of you. 
Friends, none of us are worthy to stand in the presence of Jesus. Yet the good news is he comes towards us. Because listen to how Jesus responds to Simon. Don't be afraid. Now those are the words of a God who is for us and not against us. Don't be afraid. I just picture Jesus saying that with a smile on his face as he's standing there with all these fish overflowing. And then he casts vision for what's next. Peter, from now on, you will be fishing for people. You're going to fish for people. And so then, as soon as they landed, they left everything and followed Jesus. They left everything and followed him. You know, when Peter acted on what Jesus said, blessing overflowed in his life. Blessing so much they could not contain it. But Jesus didn't stop there because it wasn't about the fish, that that wasn't enough. Now, Jesus called Peter to something so much greater, so much grander than Peter had previously seen than he could understand. And he called him not just to receive an overflow of blessing, but to be an overflow of blessing for others. And friend, I don't know about you, but for me, I find it way more comfortable to receive the overflow than to be the overflow. Just being honest with you. Not that I lie to you other times, but it's just more comfortable to receive it than it is to give it. But that's exactly what Jesus calls us to do. That's exactly what God is calling on us. That's what God does. You see, Jesus is not about our gain. He's not about the fish. He's not about our comfort. He's not about building our little kingdom. Whatever your fish would be, Jesus is about so much more than that. He'll use those things in our life. He'll give us the blessing to get our attention, to get our trust, to get us to himself, and then to get us on mission to move us beyond that. See, it's never just about the fish. It's never just about that. His calling is so much grander. Notice the movement that happens in this passage. There's Jesus on the shore. There's Pete cleaning the nets. Jesus says, Pete, let's get in your boat. Push off from the shore. He makes a movement to get close to, G- to Peter. And Jesus gets in proximity to Peter and his friends in that boat. As a side note, we would do really well if we made it a point every day to get in close proximity to Jesus, to carve out some time to get away from the crowds and just get time with Jesus. That's the point of this whole thing. 15 minutes a day, every day to get close to Jesus. And the longer you do, you'll find that 15 minutes just won't be enough. You get to the point, that's just, that's just your warm-up. And we believe so strongly in that because we know, we know that the more you carve out time to get close to Jesus, the more you get close to Jesus and the closer to him you get, not just learning about him, but getting to actually know him, it'll change your life forever. So let's make sure we carve out that time with him every day. But back to the story. Jesus gets in Peter's boat. They cast off from the shore. Peter says, hey, or Jesus says, hey, Pete, I'm here with you. And he says, let's go to the deeper water. Let's go get in the deep. And in essence, he's saying, Peter, will you trust me? Let's toss the nets out again. And the point of your failure, watch what I can do. Peter, will you trust me? And then... When they come back to shore, he says, it's not about that. Peter, will you follow me? Will you follow me? See, that's the thing 
God always calls us to himself first and foremost. If we want to know how to recognize his call, we want to know what God's will is for our life. You want to know what God's plan is for you. His plan always begins, the greatest part of his plan begins with getting to him first and foremost. God calls us to himself before he asks anything of us, before he sends us anywhere. He calls us to himself. And then he calls us to mission. So friend, if you want to know God's plan for your life, you're searching for what to do, you're searching for answers to your life, you want to recognize his call on your life, here's the deal. God will not reveal his mission for you until you show him your submission. His particular individual mission that he's created you to live will not be revealed in your life until you have submitted your life to him. God's plan is first and foremost that you would come to know him as Lord, as Savior, as the primary leader in your life, submitting, surrendering to him. And then he'll take you on an adventure with him. Then you can go somewhere, but you gotta come to him first. You gotta get with God and get alone with God first. You know, I'm often asked, preacher, how do I discover God's will for my life? How do I recognize God's call in my life? What's God's plan for my life? Well, in real simple terms, it's this. Jesus was once asked, what's the greatest commandment? And paraphrasing, he said, love God, love others. You wanna know God's generic, general will for your life? It's that right there, love God, love others. If you are loving God and loving others, you are within God's will. If you are not loving God, not loving others, guess what? You're bumping outside of his will. Now, often when people ask that, they, they want to know a little more specific than that. Like, what's God's specific will? Well, like, we want to know a little bit more. Well, okay, well, how do I love God? Where do I love God? What other people am I supposed to love? In what way? With what vocation? With whom by my side? Oftentimes we want to know, is it God's will that I buy that house, take that job, marry that guy, drive that truck, take that vacation? Move to that city. What's God's specific will for my life? And we want to find the answers there. Sometimes it's because we want permission to do something that's really comfortable or luxurious for us. And maybe can I fit this really nice thing into God's will? Can that be God's will for me that I take the vacation to that luxurious, all-inclusive? Like that, that's what a blessing. That's God's, that's God's will for me in this moment. Maybe. Maybe God's going to use that as plan. But if you really want to know God's plan for you, if you really want to know how to recognize this plan, I'm going to tell you. If you ask me, what's God's specific plan for your life, here's my answer. I don't have a clue. <laughs> how is that to give you peace and assurance from the preacher? <clears throat> you ask the question, and I don't know. But I can tell you how to find out. I can tell you how to discern God's plan. And it's actually pretty simple. Say yes to whatever Jesus puts in front of you today. You respond with immediate obedience and you'll begin to see God's plan unfold before you. You know, when Jesus said to Peter, hey, let's cast out into the deep water, Pete says, as you wish. And then when they come back to shore, remember what happens. As soon as that boat hit the shore, they left everything and followed Jesus. That's a big deal. They let go of all that they had held on to, their livelihood, their provision, their profession. They let go of that so they could grab hold of Jesus and follow him. No longer fishing for fish, now we're fishing for people. Pete's like, I don't know what that means, but I'll go. Let's go. Jesus, you're leading, I'm following, let's do it. What a beautiful thing. It's immediate obedience. Later in his life, Peter became a leader in the early church. And he wrote a letter to the early church, a church not unlike ours, and in it he said this. As obedient children, 
Don't conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance of who Jesus was. Before you followed him, you lived ignorantly. But now live as obedient children, submitting and surrendering to him. Follow him. See, friend, that's where God's call will be revealed, through your obedience. You know, sometimes I hear people say, well, I'm just, I'm just waiting on God. Like, I'm going to wait on God to tell me what to do. That's not bad. That's actually really good advice. Scripture says quite a bit about waiting on God. And we should. We should wait on God. But here's where we mess that up. Oftentimes when people talk about waiting on God, they take an unbiblical perspective and say, well, I'm just going to sit here. I'm just going to sit still, twiddle my thumbs until God shows up in a miraculous way to tell me what to do. Problem is, the Bible never shows us that perspective of waiting. Waiting always has with it this concept of movement, that we move towards God while we wait, that we love God, that we love people as we wait, that we listen actively, attentively to his voice as we wait, that we study his scriptures as we wait, that we pursue God as we wait, that waiting is not standing still. Waiting has a movement to it that we still stay in the general plan of God's will as we learn to discern his specific calling on each of our lives. And so as we wait, we move forward. But when you follow Jesus with immediate obedience, as you say it, I'll do it. With immediate obedience, I'm going to do it. And you do that over time, which requires some patience, to be quite honest with you. But immediate obedience over time is where God's will is revealed. This is the formula. If you want to discern God's will, you want to know God's calling on your life, obedience over the long haul, you'll find your calling. When you stop being obedient, you'll miss it. You'll miss what God has for you. See, friend, your life is like a beautiful painting. Your calling will be revealed like a painting. Not like one of those paint-by-number things. You splash some water and like the whole page comes alive all at once. Like, that's cool, but that's, that's too cheap for who you are. No, your life is like Rembrandt, like Monet, like Van Gogh. Your calling, your purpose, God's will for you revealed one beautiful brushstroke of obedience at a time. And all those beautiful brushstrokes of obedience add up to a magnificently beautiful picture of your life. But if we're not careful, we miss it. See, if we're not careful, we get stuck just with a pile of fish. We, we get stuck in our comfort. Do you want to know one of the things that's maybe the greatest obstacle to discovering God's call on your life? It'd be your comfort. See, our comfort may keep us from our calling. Oftentimes, I hear people say, well, you know, I think God just wants me to be happy. Huh. I mean, like, that's how we read the Bible sometimes. So we read it as just God is wanting me to be happy. Peter wrote to the early church the very next verse after he told us to be obedient children. He says this, but just as he who called you is happy, so be happy in all you do. For it is written, be happy because I am happy. I'm a happy, happy, happy God. Yeah, all right, that's good. Let's just be happy. Something feels amiss with that. Listen, God is a loving God. He is a loving Father. He does delight in you as his child. He wants you to be happy, just not at the expense of your holiness. So don't mistake happiness for holiness. Don't miss holiness because you're pursuing a fleeting happiness. God desires that you be happy being holy. 
His holiness is what will actually bring you true, lasting, fulfilling happiness. If you pursue happiness void of holiness, you'll find neither. You won't find what you're actually looking for. You pursue holiness, you'll find a satisfaction of life, a happiness that you can't even put into words. Doesn't mean it's all gonna be easy. Just means there's a sustaining power and a presence of God with you to carry you through whatever you face. See, his his holiness is really what it's about. Let's read this verse as it's actually intended to be read, lest I become a heretic. So when I get to the word holy, I'm gonna have you read that with me. But just as he who called you, he's called you, just as he is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. See, God calls us first and foremost to himself and he is holy. So that means he calls us to holiness. And when we pursue holiness, then we'll discover our calling. Last week, Mark, in a really great message, shared with you at one point a resource, a a diagram to help you find your purpose, to learn your purpose in life. Mark used circles. I'm going to share a similar resource uh, that's been helpful to me, but I'm using a triangle because the triangle's stronger. Um, There is no joking competition on staff, right? This is what I call the spiritual GPS model for discerning God's will, his call on your life. You know, GPS, global positioning system. When all this stuff first came up, the GPS, there were like three satellites floating around in space and it would triangulate your location and help you find like in general where you were. Now there's like three million of those satellites that it pings off of. It can tell you which room of the house you're in. It's spooky. But that's how GPS works. It triangulates, helps you find it. So our spiritual triangulation system to recognize God's call is this, gifts, passions, and sense of calling. And Mark talked about our giftedness last week, right? You gotta ask what God has gifted you with naturally, your natural talents and abilities, your skills, what spiritual gifts God has given you. And and you gotta ask other people if you are discerning your gifts the right way because there might be things that you wish you were gifted at that you might be kind of good but it's really not a gift like when I was in college I really wanted the gift of being the worship leader now I had a better voice back then I was a music major when I began college I could sing all right I have wrecked my voice through coaching over the years but just ask my athletes I tend to yell from a long way away usually good encouragement but it's just not good for the vocal cords but even back then I had some really trusted friends who loved me enough to say the hard things like Fitz you know you're pretty good at inspiring and teaching and preaching not so much about singing (laughs) like maybe maybe God's calling is is in a different sense like use your voice just not melodically (laughs) it was hard to hear at the time but I appreciated then, and I have appreciated it even more throughout the years that my buddies love me enough to tell me the truth. So we discern, what, where are my gifts? And then what are my passions? What, what are the things that make me come alive? That when I see something wrong in the world, that that particular wrong thing makes me get out of my seat and hit the table and, and yell and just, man, we gotta change it, we gotta do something about that. What, what are the things that when I see that it's going well, I have to jump up and celebrate, and yes, we need more of that in the world. What is that thing for you? What is the thing that ignites you, that has a fire inside, that's just a passion within you? 
And then you marry those things to find the sense of calling. You come and you say, all right, through obedience, immediate obedience practiced over time, through prayer, through fasting, through wise counsel of other believers who love me, whom I trust. Where do I sense God taking these things and what is he calling me to? And that's when we find this spiritual sweet spot. Now this isn't just X, this is the Greek letter Chi, which the early church used for Christ because Christ is always in the middle of it. He's calling us to himself first and foremost and then calling us to mission. So when we discern that, where, where do we go, what do we do? You know, just like the GPS on your phone though, if I pull this thing out and I punch in an address and I ask you to tell me where I'm going and it, there's playing through the GPS in my car, it doesn't, show, it doesn't tell me the whole route all at once. It just tells me one turn at a time, one leg of the journey at a time, one street at a time, one road at a time, one turn, one you know, detour. And in that road, that journey is filled with starts and stops and detours and delays and always with movement into the unknown. And sometimes, sometimes we detour. Sometimes we take a wrong turn. Sometimes we wreck. God and his beautiful grace and faithfulness to us will always reroute us even from there. It happened to me more than once. He'll come. He'll send the, the emergency crew, clean us up, pick us up, get us going back on the right path. He'll get us where we need to be. But that GPS just tells us one journey at a time, or one leg of the journey at a time. Now you know what that GPS is gonna tell you when you finally get where you're going, right? What's it say to you? You have arrived, right? I hate hearing that. Because sometimes I'm in the back of a warehouse, like I really don't think this is where my friend lives. Like my, my, my senior GPS, it got it wrong. Like something went wonky with the coordinates. God is not like that. And you know, for me, it's good that I've arrived at that point of the, the journey, but I'm never done with the journey. You see, we really haven't arrived until we stand in glory with God. Up until then, we've just gone part way. Because our calling will unveil itself over time. And I appreciate that I've got a really good friend, one of my best buds, who reminds me all the time, Fitzy, you have not arrived. When I called him up to tell him that I'd been offered this position and that I'd accepted it here at OCC, his words were, congrats, man, I'm so excited for you, so happy for you, that's great for you, that's great for the church, I can't wait to see what God does through you all together to advance his kingdom. But hey, bro, don't forget, you have not arrived. Now, I did not take that as a slam, I took that as a, as a statement of love. Because it's a reminder for me to stay hungry and to stay humble. That no matter what position we ever have, we've not arrived. We're not at the top. We don't, like, not to take ourselves too seriously. Like, I'm not that big of a deal. And at the same time, to stay hungry for mission. Because at no point do we get to say, oh, man, I've kind of achieved it. We're good. We can just kind of relax. No, there's more mission for us to pursue. No matter where we are. So I don't know about you, but I'm gonna invite you to say this with me so that I'm not the only one in the room because none of us, none of us, it was true for me, it's true for you. None of us is at the top, none of us has arrived. We all need to stay hungry, we all need to stay humble. None of us should take ourselves too seriously and we all need to stay on mission. So let's read this together. I have not arrived. Let's say it one more time. I have not arrived. So next time you get where you're going with that GPS and it tells you you've arrived, say, no, I haven't. 
And just remind yourself, every time you need to use it, just remind yourself, spiritually speaking, no, I have not. Because there's more mission to be done. And you know, our mission will change over time. There was a time when I was called to be a high school social studies teacher working with Fellowship of Christian Athletes to bring Jesus to the students and I was coaching. And then I was called into ministry and was in campus ministry during seminary. And then I was called as a groups pastor and immense minister to church in Springfield. And along the way, I worked landscaping. I worked other jobs. I shipwrecked for a season. I detoured and God restoratively by his grace brought me back. But even during the time that I was working in an insurance company. God was still using that. He was calling me through that. And then God called me here, where, Lord willing, I plan to stay for a very long time. <laughs> Thanks. Love you all. And here's the deal. <clears throat> Even there, there will come a day that God leads me to retire, and I will pass the baton faithfully to somebody else. And I may retire from a position, but I will not be retired from ministry because that just does not exist. Because the whole of life is ministry. No matter what you do, no matter where you go, no matter what stage of life you are in, you are in ministry if you have said yes to Jesus. Ministry is not reserved for people on a platform like this to preach at others. I get a beautiful job. I get a beautiful opportunity and responsibility to train, to equip, to inspire you, to follow hard after Jesus. You have the responsibility, which is a beautiful opportunity, to grab hold of that mission and go tell people about Jesus. But we're all in ministry. Friend, you are in ministry if you've said yes to Jesus. Peter wrote these words to the church as well. He said, you are a royal priesthood. He said, you can show others the goodness of God for you. He called you out of the darkness and into the wonderful light. Your ministry is to tell other people the light of Christ. Wherever you go, to whoever you see, to help them find and follow Jesus. Your ministry might be, might be at a shop. Might be at the gas station when you're getting gas. Your ministry might be in your neighborhood. It might be in your school. It might be to other students on the team. It might be to other students in the classroom. It might be to parents and to teachers. Your place might be the office. It might be the assembly line. But wherever you go, you are in ministry on mission for God. Every single one of us, every single one of us has a ministry here in the church to help the church be all God has created her to be. And every single one of us has a mission outside of this place to go help people find Jesus and learn how to follow him for the long haul. We are all in ministry together. Now some of you, you're not sure what your specific calling looks like. You're not exactly sure what that ministry is. So let me just give you a suggestion. Just jump in somewhere and find out. <laughs> just take a shot at it. Jump into student ministry, start living on students. And maybe you spend three months doing that, you find out, wow, God has called me to this. This is where I belong. Maybe you spent three months with students and you're like, these kids smell sometimes and they ask weird questions. And I don't, maybe I'm supposed to serve coffee. Hey, that's legit. But give it a shot, figure it out. And if you think, well, I'm too old for some of these things or I've got too much season or I'm retired, guess what? You will always be relevant as long as you show love and interest in somebody else. So if you think you're too old for student ministry or kid ministry, you are exactly wrong. If you're willing to love those kids and show interest in them, God might be calling you to that. Now, maybe you jump in and you find that's not for you, but oftentimes what I've found is you jump into a spot, your passion grows, you discover gifts you didn't previously recognize, and all of a sudden you realize, God's called me to this, and maybe just for a season. 
Maybe God's calling you to be on our cleanup crew during the week. Maybe God's calling you to be a greeter. Maybe God's calling you to be an usher. Maybe God's calling you to serve up here in some capacity in our worship team or behind the scenes. I don't know. Give it a shot. Jump in and find out. And then try something outside of this place. Jump in with Beside You for Life. Become a mentor of students at Southern High School. Jump in to Sycamore Farm or help serve at InterVarsity over at UofL. Just jump in and try it. But I'll tell you this, if you don't have a ministry, you don't have a mission, you are outside of God's will. Because God's will to recognize his call means you move towards him, you love God, you love people. There's no way you're actually loving God well if you're not serving. There's no way you're loving his kingdom well if you're not serving. Sounds really harsh, it's just biblical truth. So friend, I encourage you to jump in, try something, and give it a shot. And if you need some direction tonight, you need some help with that, you stop by our next step spot, you let us know. You text NEXT to 502-289-1387. Man, we'll help you find your spot. You know, when all this came down on the boat, Peter had no clue what would come of his simple as you wish to Jesus. If you say so, he didn't know what would come. Peter ended up being a kingdom leader, a church builder, an eternity shaper for countless people. It all started with if you say so. Now friends, I know that some of you today, you're in a spot where your nets are empty, you feel like a failure, you're uncertain of your future. It's time to push out from the shore and get some time with Jesus. It's time to go all in with him. Some of you, you've never gone all in with him all the way before and said, I'll surrender to you. Today is the day. If you're gonna make the decision to surrender to Jesus, if you're online, you let the host know, I'm gonna follow Jesus. Here in person, you find me in the lobby, you stop by our Next Steps area after the service, and you say, I'm willing to go all in. I'm ready to go all in. It's time that I surrender to Jesus. And we will celebrate with you, and we will help guide you in that process, and we will never leave you alone to do it on your own because we're a community. We're a family of believers. So we'll walk that journey with you. Now, some of you, your nets are filled and overflowing, and that's your problem is you've gotten comfortable with a big catch of fish, but you're fishing for the wrong things. You're stuck in your stuff, and it's time for you to let go of some of that stuff so that you can grab hold of Jesus. And some of you, it's time that God is calling you to make him famous in your vocation, at your workplace. Not arrogantly, not harshly, not antagonistically, but humbly, winsomely, courageously, lovingly to help other people find Jesus right where you work, right where you live. Some of you, He might be calling you to a different vocation altogether. He might be calling some of you into ministry. He might be calling some of you to the mission field. And if God has put that tug on your heart, it's time for you to say, if you say so. And I'm gonna speak real clear to the parents in the room. Because for some of you parents, that tug might be on your kid. And you're nervous because you know it's a hostile world to be a Christian. And you're uncertain, you feel like, well, maybe Christian service, maybe missions or church work, is that really like, it's like second tier. Listen, if God has placed a call on your kid, do not be the one to stand in the way. But be the one who encourages your child every step of the way. Release them to God. Let go. Now, whoever you are, whatever God's call on your life is, And I don't know specifically for each one of you what it is, but I do know this. When you give him your simple yes, when you say, I'm all in, and you just give it a shot, 
and you cast into the deep waters of faith, what you will find is that your life begins to overflow. Not with fish, but with grace, with peace, with mercy, with love, with forgiveness, with freedom, with the Holy Spirit power inside of you. Your life will overflow with the gospel message. And that's what God has called every single one of us to. Let's pray. God, we thank you that you are the God of the overflow, that you are the God who calls us to yourself even though we don't deserve it, even though we are unworthy. Jesus, you have made us worthy by your blood, by your sacrifice on the cross, that you died for us because you are for us and not against us. And so you come to us, you pursue us, and in that, Father, I pray that we would all respond by pursuing you, by giving you our simple yes, by saying, if you say so, I'm all in that we would each and every single one of us cast out into the deep water with you to trust what you have for our future, that we're trusting you. God, would you take this, would you give us the courage to go to those deep waters with you? And in doing so, would you fill us to overflow, that we would overflow your gospel message in a world that is desperate for your truth and your love. God, would you give us the courage to go on mission with you for those who are stuck in their comfort, God, give them the courage right now to let go of whatever's holding them back, that they would cling tightly to you. God, for those who have never gone in with you before, I pray that today would be the day that they would jump into those deep waters with you and say, I surrender to you, I submit to you, and that they would then live on mission for you. And God, we pray all this, that you would get every single bit of worship and glory and fame and honor, that it's not about us. It never has been, it never will be. It's all about you, Lord Jesus. So we pray this in your bold, beautiful, forever name. Amen.